Are you stressed out from working for a company that does not value or respect your time as a dad or a husband? Does it seem like your job is now in charge of deciding how much time is appropriate for supporting your wife through birth and bonding with your children? My guest is here to address those real problems and offer some solutions, so don't go anywhere. Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge, a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability and culture of their family's environment. Now, here's your host, Jonathan Guerrero. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest is John W. Francis. I brought John on the Fatherhood Challenge because he's an expert in franchising and all things related to starting successful businesses and career growth. He's also very passionate about helping dads who are fighting for time to be with their families. John, thank you so much for being on the Fatherhood Challenge. Well, you thank you, Jonathan. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to share some ideas and uh, connect with your audience. Thank you. So to start us off, John, what is your favorite dad joke? Well, I love dad jokes. I think it's I think it's important stuff and kids learn a lot from these dad jokes. It makes them think, right? So my favorite dad joke is I used to play piano by ear, but now I use my fingers. But I'm pumped. That deserves a rim shot. I love that one. <laughs> well, it's corny, but I love it, you know. It's all good. So, John, tell me about your background in business and what were your struggles with finding time for your family? Well, you know, I grew up in a in a family business, uh, which was a franchise company of hair salon. So I've been um, growing up, I was, you know, a sort of corporate job and, and worked in our family's business, but it was a substantial business and it was a real job. And uh, we sold that business and uh, actually before I got married. So after I got married and um, my wife and I were, you know, married with no children, uh, I started another business or two of my own as in franchises, different franchise companies. And I struggled with finding time for my family when my kids were little because I was so busy startup mode. You know, starting a business is a huge commitment at a lot of levels. It's not just... Uh, money uh, and attention, but it's an awful lot of time. And I find that a lot of entrepreneurs generally work 24-7. I mean, I, I, I could work all day, every day, and, uh, and still have more to do. So it's a challenge when, when you're in that business mode and that startup mode. And so there was a few, a few lean years, I would call it, where all I could do is work harder to get things moving and, and start to see some results from that business. Uh, and it was, it was tough because, uh, you know, my wife and I were both at home. My wife was a school teacher. Uh, and then I was a work from home entrepreneur in a retail franchise. And man, I was busy coming and going and, and working as hard as I could to get the business moving. And, and, um, you know, I, I, I guess I hit the wall. There was a certain point where I realized, you know, this is crazy. Why, why would I work this hard for, a business when my kids are, you know, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. So it was, um, it took me a little while, uh, probably a couple of years when my kids were little tiny kids, which is, I think, probably okay. Cause there's, I mean, I was available to support my wife and, and help with the kids and the diapers and the food and the shopping. And I was what, what they call now a work from home dad, you know? And, uh, mm -hmm. so I would do my part every chance I could, but 
I was gone a lot during the day and I was gone a lot traveling and, and I finally realized that, you know, this is really not what I wanted. And, um, so I managed to shift gears a little bit and hired some, some talent, I guess, some managers and some other folks that I could delegate to so that I could get better control of my time. And, um, and the business worked, you know, things got a little better and I was able to gain a little more freedom. And uh, it was uh, didn't take very long. And then I was able to really uh, set my own schedule and, uh, and be home for my kids. Um, and then I guess the, uh, the, you know, the next phase of it was when my kids started school, you know, when they got into kindergarten or preschool and kindergarten and, and certainly grade school, when they were at school, I would work. I mean, that's when I would, I would get all my work done. And then when they, they come home from school, I would stop. And I would be with the kids as much as possible. I mean, we pick them up and drop them off and uh, at school. And and then when they go to bed, you know, six, seven, eight o'clock, whatever, then I'd go back to work and I'd work. Sometimes <laughs> I'd work till midnight, you know, or two in the morning. I mean, you. so I managed to build the, the business in a way that I could work when I wanted to. And nothing was like urgent or, or um you know, deadline driven. And, and so I was able to, when my kids were free, I was free to be with them as much as I possibly could. Uh, I love that. It, 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 it took a lot of intentional hard work and, um, you know, I, my kids are older now. I mean, they're teenagers and, and one's in college and, and, you know, they've, we've talked about this, you know, that this is, this is not an accident, right? The way we live and the lifestyle we have and, and the way I approach my career and my work and my businesses is, is fully around being available for my kids first. I really believe that being a dad and raising my children is the most important thing I will ever do. So it was critical for me to be able to create that accessibility and uh, what I call surface area. You know, I wanted to be, I wanted to be with them physically and mentally and completely as much as I possibly could. So it's certainly not perfect, but, uh, it didn't take me long to figure out that I needed to make those changes, and, and I'm grateful that I was able to do it. It's harder for, for a lot of folks that work, you know, in a, like a, a regular career or, a, you know, especially guys that work in, in a, an environment where they don't have the ability to, to choose or make, you know, to control their schedule. Um, yeah, let's get into that, about that. I know many dads have this next question lurking on their minds. Is it that companies are simply in the dark and unaware that dads and husbands in their workforce are needed at home and the stability of our society depends on it? Or are they aware of it and simply think that it's just not their problem? I think it's a combination of both. You know, I, I think, you know, traditional values, you know, dad works and mom stays home and, you know, dad provides for the family and mom is the caretaker for the family. Well, I, I think that that dynamic or that paradigm or whatever you want to call it is, is long gone. I think, I think maybe my parents were, were kind of lived like that, although they really didn't. Um, but, uh, I think that that whole thing is, is antique history. I think a lot of people are more aware of it. And I, I see more signs of, of companies having the, uh, the understanding and the awareness and giving employees and, and the dads and, and husbands the free time to go take care of their families. Uh, one, one of my nephews who is, uh, let's see, he's probably 
geez, he's probably late 20s. I think he's 27, 28. And he's got a great big job with a great big firm in New York. He's doing great work and a super smart guy. And he got uh, 12 weeks of paternity leave when their baby was born. Wow. 12 weeks. 12. So he had, and he was free to go. Like, well, we're just going to keep paying you and, and uh, we'll see you when you're back, you know? And uh, I thought that was fantastic. I said, I hope you're taking every inch of that. He said, oh yeah, we're already, you know, he was making plans. They were, they were anticipating it and counting on it. And uh, now their, their babies, uh, I think he's almost two. So it's been a little while, but uh, so I think there is more and more awareness of it. And I think there's more and more uh, demand and, and frankly, expectation uh, by guys that are working, at least in the types of jobs or careers where you can have that flexibility. Uh, so I think it's getting better, but um, I still think we got a long way to go. It seems there are companies who do it right. And what I mean by that is that there are companies who actually are fair and flexible with dads on matters such as paternity leave. So how do dads find those companies? Well, uh, you know, I think it's a matter of asking for it uh, on the front end. If, if you're if you're seeking employment or if you're already employed, I think the minute your wife, you're starting your family and you you're, you become pregnant, I say so the wife carries the baby, but you're both pregnant, right? It, Absolutely. It's a, it's a team effort. And so I think the minute you realize that, oh my gosh, we're pregnant, uh, I think you start talking about it and start asking for it and start dropping hints. If your company has a policy or any kind of family leave, you know, I mean, some states have it better than others. I know there's some federal regulations, although I don't really pretend to understand that, but I think it's more by, by organization. So I, I think the way to find it is to look for it and ask for it and don't be afraid of asking for it. Um, I think it's it's critical to have the freedom to really be there when that birth happens, right up before that birth happens, and then clearly afterwards. Uh, those first few weeks and first few months are uh, so important. And uh, you know, God willing, your your child is healthy, and and uh, and the you know your your spouse or wife is healthy, and you know everything goes smoothly. But um, you know, in a, in, in the best case, it's a lot of stress and a lot of work and especially your first time. Um, so I think, uh, you know, if you don't have it or you're not looking for it, I would say look again and uh, even consider choosing again. You know, um, I think I think the more uh, progressive or more um, modern thinking firms, like I mentioned, my nephew, you know, his company works for a great big uh, management consulting company. They're huge. And uh, they have offices all over the world. So I think they have a little broader awareness of the reality. And the, probably the regulations in some of these foreign countries make that easier for them to, to understand and, and um, easier for them to adopt it here in the U.S. So let's talk about dads who are already employed. What recourse do dads have that need to take that time off for their family? How do they start those conversations? I think those conversations need to start early and I think you need to start the conversation with this is important to me personal. It's here's why it's not like theoretical or conceptual. Like, wouldn't it be great if you, I think I would start that conversation. I would say to my boss, look, uh, we're pregnant at home. My wife has got a baby coming. It's due date is around this date. And I anticipate, you know, I, I want to be there and, and spend time with, uh, with my family. So I, I think you got to, 
set the set the expectation that this is going to happen and how exactly they manage that, whether it's uh, paid time off or, or some kind of flex time or or maybe you can pile up hours in advance. You know, you've got a few months, you know, usually, you know, uh, you know, four or five, six months ahead of time. You can maybe they can bank a bunch of time ahead of schedule if, if, if that's a possibility. But I think the conversations start by making it personal, making it real and setting the expectation that uh, I'm taking this time off. Let's figure out how to do it. If the employer environment that you're in says, well, you know, that's great. We understand that, but we're not able to accommodate. Uh, you know, I would, if, I guess everyone's in a different predicament, but I would say, well, you know, if they don't respond accordingly, I, I always say give someone the chance to give you the right answer. If they don't give you the right answer, I would say immediately start looking for another employer. Look for a better environment that's going to be a little more uh, receptive and, and reasonable. You know, most people work their jobs. I mean, you know, they work hard. They 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 mean it. They're they're committed. They're focused. They they add great value for the the companies they work for. And if if they can't understand why this is important and how important it is, and they can't accommodate that in any reasonable way, then I would say move on. You know, that tells me that their values are not in alignment with mine, and um, and I wouldn't I wouldn't stick around. Yeah, and that really goes into the next point, and that. A lot of times dads really can't wait for legislation or for workplace policies to recognize that they are needed at home just as much as mothers. Sometimes starting a business is the best solution. So how does a dad start this process while they are trying to hold down a job? Well, you know, I think today and these days, there's so much opportunity, uh, really more than ever. Um, I think a guy can do a lot of research online. You know, my world is franchising. I, I, I still am very active in the franchise industry. There are so many different franchises and a lot of them are work from home or, um, you know, mobile based concepts that, you know, you don't necessarily have to make a huge investment in, you know, building a facility or a, a restaurant or a store. You know, there's lots of ways to start businesses. Uh, and some, some businesses, um, you know, are um, you can really manage it on your own terms, where it's not all day every day. You know, even though you might want to work that hard, but you don't have to. You know, I see a lot of people um, get involved in uh, what they call business opportunities. So they're not full franchises, but they're you know they're business formats, uh, things like vending and and different types of investments. And uh, there's a lot of ways a, a guy can generate revenue and um, and income for the family. And how do you do that while you're working? If your day job has got you busy during the day, well, you owe it to your employer to give them what they're paying for. Uh, you know, if you've got integrity, you work when you're supposed to work and you get the job done. Definitely. Um, but you've got nights and weekends or maybe, you know, holidays or whatever. Uh, uh, I, I'm a big fan of taking vacation. Even if you don't go on a vacation, take that time if you're entitled to it. And uh, but make a plan and do your research, do your homework. You know, there are a lot of folks out there who help find franchise uh, opportunities. I call them matchmakers, right? They're either brokers or consultants. And, and the franchise world is, a, is, like I said, a big universe. But I think there are lots of other ways a guy can earn income. You know, it seems like everybody's got a side hustle these days. But it's certainly something you can do, things of that nature that could give you a start to show you that, you know, you have the ability to do more than you might have 
expected. I think a lot of people underestimate themselves, what they're capable of if they really focus on it. The other thing I would suggest is talk to someone who already owns a business. Uh, I think uh, I think the statistics are, you know, 80% of the world says they'd love to own their own business, but less than 10% ever actually do own their own business. So I would say there's a 70% disappointment gap out there, right? There's a lot of people who want it, but never do. And I think a, a, a lot of business owners, myself and, and other folks that I know, are willing to talk to other folks. What's it like being a business owner? How do I get started? Where do I go? You know, here in Minnesota, where I am, there's a there's a very active entrepreneurial community here around startups and and uh, what I would say accelerator or growth type resources and groups and organizations and state grants and community grants. I mean, there's a lot of ways that people want to help each other get things going when they start up a new business. So even if you're not sure where to go, I would say start talking to people who are who are doing what you want to do or, or doing something in that direction. And I think just sharing ideas and having some, uh, you know, meaningful conversations, even if it's not like a formal mentoring kind of relationship, I think informal mentoring can go a long way to help people really understand what's possible, what's available and, and maybe how they might find it for themselves. Now, John, you mentioned that there are, you you refer to it as a matchmaking service to be able to help people who find an an ideal franchise that will work well for them. How yeah. can a dad find a service like that or a resource like that? Oh man, there's lots of them. Um, that's probably the challenge. They're not all the same. Um, and I guess I don't want to I don't want to name names, but uh, I would go. Um, there's a lot of research available on the internet. Um, there's an association that I belong to, the International Franchise Association. Their website is franchise.org, right? O-R-G. Uh, and that would be a, a, certainly a good place to start. Uh, you can learn a lot about franchising. You can learn a lot about different franchise opportunities. And then most of what we call the broker networks are there. Uh, and there's probably 10 different networks that I can think of that, that have folks that do that work to help people. You know, they do an assessment. They, they basically look at your background and your skills and your education and your experience. And, you know, what are you good at? What kind of business suits you? And then they look at your financial, you know, what can you afford? What can you borrow? You know, what, what, what's an appropriate level of uh, investment or commitment? Uh, because certainly they're not all the same. They're, there's a wide range. I've seen franchises a guy can start for like 10 or 15,000, which, you know, and in the franchising world, that's very low for total investment. And, and there's certainly others that are, you know, 100,000, 200,000, 500,000. And most people don't come in and just write the check for that. They, they borrow usually a big portion of that with uh, SBA financing or I guess my, my number one advice is uh, take your time. Don't be in a hurry. Uh, you know, and especially you got a baby coming, you know, you kind of on a deadline, but, uh, I don't think it's a good idea to rush that process. You want to be very careful, uh, do your research, do your homework, ask a lot of questions, talk to a lot of those people in that franchise. If, if it's a franchise you're looking at, um, you do your due diligence. We call it validation process where you're learning and making sure that everything you expect is exactly truthful, that what it is what it is. Uh, so anyone investigating franchising, I would say, take your time, be careful. But if you find a good one, 
and it fits your personality, you know, you got to have some genuine enthusiasm for the business. You know, if you don't like cars, don't go into an automotive franchise. You know, if you don't like, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, you got to just use common sense, but, you know, find something that you, you generally like or have interest in and, and, and excitement about it. Because when you buy a franchise in particular, you know, that sometimes kind of becomes your identity. Like, oh, you're the whatever brand guy, you know, that's your business. Mm-hmm. That's your, that's your, uh, your, your uh, that's what people know you for. So it's, um, you want to make sure it's something that fits and suits and uh, something you can be successful with. Of course, nothing's guaranteed, right? You create it, you get the opportunity, you get a lot of training and, you know, I could talk all day about franchising, but I I think it's a great way to go if you can find one that fits and it's got to fit on every level and and your personality, your financials, your, your background, your uh, genuine enthusiasm. And and, and I would say include your spouse in that decision. Uh, You certainly don't want to come home and say, Hey, honey, guess what? I just bought a franchise. And she (laughs) said, what are you? What are you talking about? You know, not and, a good idea. No, you want to you want to take your time and and be uh, eyes wide open. I would call it. Now that resource you mentioned, um, that association that you're a part of, franchise.org, O-R-G. franchise.org. Correct. I'm going to put that link in the episode description. So um, if you go to this episode, look below the description. That link will be there. And then you can find all of the resources and information that John has been talking about, including access to some of the brokers that can help you get placed with a franchise that is a, a best fit for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would, you know, people call me all the time. I, I People who know me know I love to talk. I mean, I talk all day long. I love it. So uh, if people are out there and they're thinking about it, and you're not sure, you know, reach me. I'm not hard to find. And uh, happy to talk to folks and trying to help. You are the founding father or the, of Fathers Eve and the co-organizer for City Dads Group. Please tell me about these organizations. Well, the, I'll start with the City Dads Group. Um, the City Dads Group is based out of New York. Um, and there are, I think, over 40 different chapters around the country. The City Dads is a great group of people. Um, they organize events. Uh, really, there were three different three different kinds of events. There's like for the at-home dads, you know, during the day, during the week, you might organize a, a play date to the park or the library or a water park or some, some something to get you out of the house and meet with other dads who are at-home dads with their kids. And, and what that does is really powerful. Not only are the dads connecting and, and learning from each other, but it normalizes for your children that there are other dads home with their kids, right? Because in some mm-hmm. cases, at least when, when my kids were little, you know, 15 years ago, it was a little more unusual. You know, I remember pushing the stroller to the park with my kids and all the moms would kind of look at you like, you know, where's your wife or what, whose kids are those? And I'd say, well, where's your husband? You know, why, why is he here? So being an at-home dad, you know, it's, it's a lot easier, I think now, or certainly more um, common and, and um, you know, more, uh, understood anyway so the city dads group is a great resource they do the at-home dad stuff they do family events once in a while we used to do a big summer picnic where you'd bring all your kids and your wife and everybody else to come together and then they do a dad's night out which is kind of fun you know just for the dads maybe a tuesday or a thursday or something to get get dad out of the house and let mom have some one-on-one time with the kids and, uh, and let the dads connect and, and learn from each other. So a city dads group is uh, still uh, a great group. I'm, I'm friendly with those guys, and I, I like what they do. I like that a lot. Um, 
Then Father's Eve is uh, a little different. You know, that was started in my garage here in Minnesota, kind of as an accident about 10 years ago. And um, it is what it, what it sounds like. It's the night before Father's Day. So we created, uh, I guess you could call this a dad's night out, but it's on the Saturday night before Father's Day. We get together and it's very informal. There's not much of a program to it. You know, we just get together and we tell stories and we share ideas. And I say we connect, we share, and we celebrate fatherhood. So Father's Eve happens all around the country. Um, at, at our peak, just before COVID, we were in 60 different cities with uh, all volunteers, uh, you know, all doing this in their local markets. And after COVID, things changed. So we created an online program. So we do it virtually as well. How can dads get a hold of these groups? Well, City Dads, I think it's just citydads.com or it might be citydadsgroup.com. I guess I'll have to check. Um, but they're out there uh, and there are chapters all over the place. I'm just looking on Facebook. They're very active on Facebook. They use Meetup. Um, I'm, I got my window on my computer here. The Detroit Dads just had an event uh, coming out. And, you know, there's there's fairly active chapters. Um, I think if you put just into Google City Dads group, I'm sure you'll find it and, um, and then click through and find one near you. And if you don't have one, you can start one. Um, you know, when I did it, it was 2016. It's been a little while. You know, there was no fee. There was just some some expectations, a little bit of training, and then you just kind of start, you know, and uh, pretty informal, but an awful lot of fun. I've made some great friends through that City Dads group. And then Father's Eve, same kind of thing. You know, we're just one night a year. So it's it's what I call a hyper-seasonal business, right? It's one night a year. <laughs> Eve.com is, is where you can learn all about it. And again, same kind of thing. You can see where we've been and where we're going this year. I think we've only got a handful of them up already. It's, um, it's still in March, so it's a little early. You know, guys don't really plan too far in advance. But uh, I would expect we'll probably be in 40 or 50 cities this year, 2023. And you go to the website and you can learn about it. And again, it's free. You know, we don't charge anything, uh, but there are some rules, some pretty simple common sense rules. And you can sign up and uh, and host an event, we call it, in your in your garage or your backyard or your neighborhood. Or we've we've turned ours into a fundraiser for charity. So we raise money and, and give it away to a local charities. I'm going to make it easy to find those groups too. So if you go to thefatherhoodchallenge.com, that's the Fatherhood Challenge. Dot com, go to this episode and look right below the description. I will have the links posted there so you can click on it and it'll take you right to those groups. So John, as we close, what is your challenge to dads listening now? This is the best advice I ever got as a father is parent the child you have, not the child you wish you had. Mm. And, and realize that every kid is different. Excellent wisdom. John, thank you so much for taking time to be on the Fatherhood Challenge. It's been an honor to have you. Thank you, Jonathan. I, I appreciate it. Again, I appreciate you letting me share my stories and, and some ideas here. And I'm glad to be a resource. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fatherhood Challenge. If you would like to contact us, listen to other episodes, find any resource mentioned in this program, or find out more information about the Fatherhood Challenge, please visit thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com.